I want to read a little bit tonight from Psalms chapter 51, very important chapter of the Bible. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there with me just for a moment. As a matter of fact, brother, uh, who's running the, I can't see up there, but I see somebody. I see heads. Who's ever, whoever's up there, get me Psalms 51. And you know what I'm going to do? I didn't intend to do this, but I am. I want to start with the very first verse of Psalms 51, and let's read it together so that you'll know where I'm going tonight. This is a very powerful chapter of the Bible, and I'll say more about it in just a minute. We'll read a few verses. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Here's what I want you to notice. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin. And blot out all mine iniquities. And here's the verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. I have, I have preached and made mention of these scriptures many times, but tonight I just want to take verse 10 and talk about it for a little while, if I may. And I'll just speak from this little subject. A clean heart, everybody say a clean heart, and a right spirit. A clean heart and a right spirit. Among the 150 Psalms, the chapters of Psalms, there's 150 of them. This is one of the most moving that you can read. It is, it is blotted with tears of anguish and repentance from the heart of David, who was guilty of great sin. We understand and we know that David was the man after God's own heart. God said that himself. And yet David was a man that had some mars and some marks in his life in his time of royalty kingly powers that were abused by worldly possessions and passions and were yielded to. And darker guilt can scarcely be found in all of the Scriptures. If you read these things that David done, I'll not go deep into them, but the story of King David was that when he was upon the throne, one day he looked over the wall into the, into the next house, and there... He saw a beautiful woman, her name was Bathsheba, and he called her in to him. And you and I both know that David committed adultery, and then when he found that she was with child, he was the planner of the death of her husband Uriah the Hittite. Sent him to the front lines of battle and caused him to die. So David was, was guilty of adultery and guilty not only of adultery, but of murder. It was, it was two horrible sins. So here's, here's this king, this man that God called. If you go back and study the life of David, this little shepherd boy, uh, you, you, have to, you have to appreciate how God found him and what God thought of him. Because when God sent Samuel to, to look for David, I mean, Jesse brought out all the boys, but David. David was on the backside of the hill tending sheep. 
And the Lord looked at all of them and He said, no, 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 That's, there's another son somewhere. And, of course, we understand that when God had rejected all the other brothers, He found David, the little shepherd boy. I believe the reason that David was chosen was because David had a heart for God. Every tree was God. Every river was God. Every mountain was God. Everything, every breath that he breathed was to give glory and praise and honor unto God. You go read the Psalms and read the greatness of God and how, how David wrote about the goodness and the power and the greatness and the glory of God. So God chose David. The structure of this Psalm, Psalms 51, was David repenting for the things that he had done. I personally believe, now I'm just telling you what I believe. I believe the greatest reason that David was the man after God's own heart was because he had a repentant heart. Everybody say repentance. you got to live a repentant life. There are no perfect people, not among us. I hope all of you don't get perfect because when you do, I'm out of a job. So far, I got a good job. Amen. But this, this structure of the psalm, it's superb. It, it, it's significant, and yet it's very simple. And, and it constitutes powerful messages to us today. It is in three marked sections. If you go and study the 51st psalm, you'll find that verses 1 through 6 is a confession of guilt. By David, and then the prayer for divine renewal in, in verses seven through twelve, and then the reward of the restored fellowship that he found when he repented before God. And all you have to do in, in this meditation is to concentrate upon David's double prayer, expressing a twin need in his life. You know what it was? The first one was this. Create in me a clean heart. That was prayer number one. Prayer number two was renew in me a right spirit. Is there anybody in this room today that wants a clean heart and a right spirit? We better live with that. Well, let me, let me say a few things about that, the prayer for a clean heart. Because if you have a clean heart, you'll have a right spirit. If you don't have a clean heart, you will manifest a terrible spirit. Let me talk about the heart for just a little bit. You know, if you have an accident, I did many years ago. Some of you know this, some of you don't. I shot two toes off. I just kept clicking. You can live without two toes. You can live without two fingers. You can live without your ears or your eyes, but you can't live without your heart. Out of your heart, the Bible said, are the issues of life. And that's why, that's why the Old Testament prophet said this about the heart. He said the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. It's the inward working of mankind. It's what must be taken care of. Now, I'm not talking just about the little organ that's right here. Now, you can't live without your heart. When your heart quits ticking, it's done, baby. It's over with. Everybody say amen. Don't mess with your heart. If you got a sore finger, that's one thing. If you got heart problems, go get them taken care of. But the facts are, I'm talking about more than just the organ that lies in your chest. I'm talking about the inward working of man. You cannot have a right spirit toward God, and you cannot have a right spirit toward anybody else without a clean heart. And God alone can create in us a clean heart. Taking the twin desires together of David, you, you can discover how one is complementary to the other. You People with a bad a bad attitude. They don't just have a bad attitude. They got a bad heart. People with a wrong spirit. Look, you can't, you can't see spirits, but you can see the results of spirits. I've seen them rise up in the church. 
I've seen them rise up in the world. There are spirits around us, and you can tell and you can discern people's spirit. But the clean heart is the inward work of grace. Listen to this very closely. The clean heart is the inward work of grace, and it's what God does in me. It represents the root of holiness. Holiness is not something you put on or you take off or you wear or you don't wear. That's all a result. Holiness is when God does the inward work of grace in here. And we used to sing a little song that says, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a joy. Oh, what a change. Oh, what a life. But it has to be the inward working of the heart. And then a right spirit is the outward work of God and stands for what God does through me and suggests not just the inward working of the root of holiness, but the fruit of holiness or the fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you, the love, the kindness, the gentleness, the meekness, the temperance, the joy, all of those fruit of the Spirit, they come only with a clean heart. And they come only as a reproduction of what God is in us. So the bottom line today is when you start praying for a clean heart, you start producing the right fruit. Amen. You know what? I, I'm just, I'll vary from these, these notes for just a little bit. I hope I don't get off chasing too many rabbits. But I, I can tell you right now that I've lived long enough to see people get things in their heart against people, against churches, against neighbors, against family. And they get things down in their heart, and it gets embedded in your heart. You've got to get your heart clean. You've got to get to where you can love your enemy. And pray for those that despitefully use you. And love your neighbor as yourself. Because the first commandment is you love God, but the second is likened to the first. And that's loving your neighbor like you love yourself. You can't do that unless you have a clean heart. I'm talking about a heart that is, that is clean in the sight of God. And will produce things in you that nothing else will. And everybody in this room say amen. The clean heart is a necessary creation. The psalm here reveals repentance and the progress from the outward sin to the inward sin, from the practice to the principle. David came to discover hidden evils, hidden evil springs within his being. Although he had been a child of God, if you go study history, almost 50 years, and now he has a tragic sin that has marred his dynasty, that has come upon his royalty, that has invaded his inward man, and many outstanding, listen to me, Bible saints have stained their character by a particular sin. One dead fly honey can cause the ointment to small. Watch me. Noah, Noah marred his walk with God with intemperance. Noah got in trouble with his own daughters. All the kids are out back. Noah had sex with his own daughters. Noah produced tribes and nations that were against Israel forever. Moab was born because of Noah. Noah sinned. Abraham. We like to talk about Noah and the flood. And Noah found grace. He did. But he marred his life. Abraham lost his influence with Abimelech because he lied to him. Moses was shut out of Canaan because he lost his temper. Are you with me? Miriam became leprous for criticizing the leadership of Moses. And Achan and his family died by stoning because of covetousness. The children of Israel were kept out of the promised land. Everything over 20 years old died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. David's testimony was marred with adultery and murder. 
But you got to hear me. That's not the end of the story. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here to come preach doom and gloom to you. I'm here to tell you we're human. We got problems. We got situations we don't often handle well. Sometimes our heart's not right. Sometimes we, we, we just ignore what we know to do and we do the opposite and we do things that aren't pleasing to God. Our human nature, I read it to you tonight. David said, Lord, I was born in sin. It, my mother has conceived me in sin. I was born in iniquity. I'm telling you, I know that I'm human, but I want you to create in me a new heart. I want you to create in me a clean heart. I want you to get that filthy one out of me and put something in. Think about this with me right now. Creation is making something out of nothing. When God created the heaven and the earth, you go read Genesis chapter 1. The Bible said, in the beginning, the word, the world was with, without form and void. It was absolutely black, nothing. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void. That's what the Scripture said. You could read it in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. But God created the creative abilities of God. Uh, that's making something from nothing. And let me tell you, that's what God does when people come to Him. He takes the old heart and He rips it out and He throws it away and He puts in a new heart. And He creates in them a new man. And He creates in them a new person. And they come out of there better than they've ever been before. Why? Because the creative powers of God. It was one writer, Dr. Alexandra White, that said this of David. He said, He lays Himself the blame of a tainted nature instead of a single fault. Not only, or not of murder only, but of a murderous nature. The creation of a clean heart was therefore a necessity. In previous Psalms, David wrote this. He said, Who shall ascend to the heel of the Lord? But he that hath clean hands. And what? A pure heart. David wrote that in Psalms 24. He said clean hands are a result of a clean heart. And God is ever good to those who are of a clean heart. Have not we need to cry personally, create in me, O God, a clean heart. And renew in me a right spirit. I'm not asking you to do it for my neighbor. I'm asking you to do it for me. I need a clean heart. And the creation that God can form in you is something that will give you favor with God when you have a clean heart. Anybody believe what I'm preaching here tonight? The clean heart, the clean heart is a holy creation because the issues. And what the Bible said, out of the heart are the issues of life. Everything. Flows from inside out. That's why Jesus looked at the hypocrites in the New Testament. And he said, you're whited sepulchers on the outside. But inside. Everybody say inside. Quit worrying about the outside and get the inside cleaned up. Amen. You ever heard me tell about the pig? The pig that... They decided they'd change his lifestyle. So they brought him in, put him in the bathtub, gave him a good bath, washed him down with good smelling soap, put a little perfume behind his ears, put a little bow in his, in his hair, right between his ears. Thought they'd change the pig. Left the door open, looked out, and he was wallowing in the waller. You can't change from the outside. You've got to have a clean heart. You got to get it down in here. That's why Jesus said, "You look good, but you aren't good. You look you look like a whited sepulcher, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. You look like a coffee cup that's really fancy on the outside, but you got the old grounds down on the inside. You ever lead a coffee cup just sitting around? You didn't think anything was in it till you looked down in it. 
Come on now, I'm preaching to you tonight. That's what some of us look like. But God wants us to say, create in me, Lord, a clean heart. And with the power of the God of creation, He can reach inside me and reach inside you, and He can begin to change our mind and change our heart, change our attitude, change our spirit. Create in me, Lord, a clean heart. A clean heart. You see, if the fountain's not clean, the water's not clean. If the fountain's not clean, for out of the heart spring the issues of life. It's essential to be purified. What exactly is implied in the possession of a clean heart? Maybe it's better or easier to say what it does not mean. A state of absolute perfection, nobody's perfect, or sinless. I don't care if you pray 12 hours a day, you're not perfect. We're striving for perfection. We're looking for that day. Until you get a glorified body, you're going to still fight the flesh. You're going to still fight carnality. Amen. I've seen some folks that thought they had arrived, and just the very thought that they had arrived showed me they had not arrived. Because it was the Lord in His Word that said, Be careful, for he that thinketh he standeth, lest he fall. He's also said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. He also said, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The best thing you can do is humble yourselves at the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due season. I'm preaching to you on this Wednesday night that when we get our heart right, I want to tell you God will change the thing. The liability to sin is always ever-present in the very best of any of us, and the tendency of sin is built in the human nature. It's the devil's idea And it's his job to trip you up on a daily basis. I have trouble with me. How about you? I got more trouble with me than I do with you. And you do too in case you don't know it. Quit blaming on everybody else. Go look in the mirror. Your problem put your shoes on tonight. Amen. I've heard people say, well, I'd live for God, but no, 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 no. Quit, quit laying it off on somebody else. The problem is, is you've got to take care of the old carnal man. Are you with me? Sin is ever-present, and the only way it can be counter-attacked is by the Holy Ghost whose mission is to produce divine holiness in our lives. That's why Paul said, I have to die every day. I can't leave this guy alone. I gotta pray every day. I gotta get up every morning and have communion with God. I gotta have God on a daily. I can't walk in church on Sunday and then forget God to the next Sunday. And neither can you and be a strong Christian. Amen. Because every day we are attacked by sin. We're attacked by Satan. The distinct, there is a distinction between being blameless and faultless. Listen to me right now. Often we are blameless, but we are never faultless because there is no human being ever lived that was faultless except Jesus Christ. In Him was no sin. We have never been faultless. It, to, to be in a condition of faultlessness would mean that we were, we were incapable of making mistakes, but we are all capable. Without fault is a phrase always used of what will be in the glory world. That's where we're going to be when we get faultless. With the increasing spiritual apprehension, there comes fuller knowledge of sin. Listen now. And the consciousness that is in some past action that we had no compunction of conscience, although there were Absolutely, they, we were absolutely blameless. The Old Testament Levitical sacrifices had a sacrifice for the sin of ignorance. You could get by because you didn't know. But the Lord no longer looks at ignorance and winks at it. It's in the Bible. You got the truth. Our old nature is the seat of sin. And ever subject, 
ever subject to attractions of the flesh. I want to tell you, the devil's got more ways of tempting us than I can tell you today. He's got more ways of getting to you than I can tell you today. You have to stand a a constant guard on your soul and on your spirit. You have to pray daily for God to create in you a clean heart. Our Lord is the only one who ever lived on earth without shame and without sin. But I want to tell you, we have the power to live an overcoming life. You can overcome sin. You can overcome yourself. You can overcome your carnality. You can overcome. I have to do it. You have to do it. And the only way to do it is for God in His creative abilities to create in us a clean heart. By clean, we understand a heart which there is no known, conscious, unjudged, unforgiven sin. It's equivalent to a conscience that's void of offense toward God. You know what that's about? That's a biblical term. A conscience, Acts 24, 16 says, a conscience that is void of offense toward God. That's what you have to have. Your conscience got to be clean. You gotta wake up in the morning with a clean conscience. See, when David spoke about secret faults in Psalms nineteen and twelve, he did not refer to those things he knew to be wrong and which he had hid from other people. That's not what he referred to. But to the depths of the corruption of his being that he did not know existed. There are things in the corners of your soul that only God can get out of there. That's why tears of repentance are necessary and for us to be open before God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, he said, he said, I know nothing against myself, yet am I not thereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. In other words, there may be some things that I don't know about. God, would you, have you ever prayed this prayer? I have. And I do. Lord, would you look in the darkest quarters of my soul? I want you to dig out anything in me that's wrong, that's unlike you. You need to pray that prayer. Because sometimes we have lived so so long in a certain way that we forget and we leave things dormant in our life that God's not pleased with. I don't know if you're getting it or not, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Such a cleansing is by faith on our part. It's purifying our hearts by faith. The word John used for cleansing implies a present and progressive tense. And, and, and you've got to keep confessing. If we keep confessing, the uncleanliness of our spirit is revealed. The blood of Jesus keeps cleansing us. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. That's not a one-time ordeal, honey. That's not just for Sunday morning church. That's when you get up on Monday and when you go to bed on Tuesday night and when you get up Wednesday morning and Thursday on the job, you live a repentant lifestyle and you're constantly in tune with the Holy Ghost that says, Lord, keep me walking right. Keep me talking right. Keep me living right. Cover me in the blood of Jesus. I still believe in pleading the blood of Jesus. Brother Hale was at my house last week, Brother Billy Hale, and we were talking. He told me about a preacher that started preaching against pleading the blood of Jesus. Let me tell you something. You come to ODG's house. I'm walking around the house all the time pleading the blood of Jesus. I want to plead the blood over my house. I want to plead the blood over my kids and over my grandkids. I want to plead the blood over my family. You better do the same thing because the only cleansing agent we have is the blood and the blood has not lost its power. Hallelujah! Is there anybody with me here tonight? Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. You better believe I'm going to keep pleading the blood. You better believe I'm going to apply the blood to the doorpost of my life. You better believe that. Amen. Solomon asked the question, Who can say I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Solomon said that. No man can make his own heart clean. No man can do it by himself. Sinful forces are beyond human control. 
Have you ever seen a day when we've seen so much sin and degradation? That's what we're looking at in 2019. Our world makes Sodom and Gomorrah look like a Sunday school class. It's not just America. I was on a bus in Tel Aviv and happened to be sitting on the second seat of the bus. And we pulled up to the airport to get off the bus. And we pulled up, and there was a little vehicle in front of us. And there was two. You don't really want me to call them what they were. I'm on the Internet. But there were two men kissing, hugging. I'm not talking about kissing on the cheek. I'm talking about lip locked. And I wanted to go, ah. And the world thinks it's okay. Hello. You can't kill certain kind of turtles because it's against the law. You can't kill certain kind of birds because it's against the law. But you can kill a child now in some places even after it's born. What kind of world are we living in? The sinful forces are beyond human control. And so you can't shut God out of your plans. It's going to take God to create a new heart. It's going to take God. Let me tell you, America better turn back to God because I read a scripture that said every nation that, that, that turns its back on God is going to wind up in hell. Hallelujah. I'm not being hard tonight. I'm just being real. You see, you, you have to have the creator to come in. We are born this way. We are born with a sinful nature. This is why Jesus said a man has to be born again. Now, you can't be born again and again and again and again. But you have to have an encounter with Jesus somewhere. You've got to have a born again experience somewhere. You've got to have repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and be born of the water and the Spirit somewhere. That is a born again experience. And when you're born again, it changes your life. Anybody ever remember the night that God baptized you with the Holy Ghost or the day or where you were or what happened? And you remember that experience? You remember how well, you, you got up thinking different. You got up feeling different. There was a joy. One writer said it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know why? Because God just jerked the old heart out of you and put a brand new one down inside of you. That's why you're not the same man anymore. That's what David was saying. God, I don't want to be a murderer. I don't want to be an adulterer. I don't want to lie to the preacher anymore. I'm just tired of myself. Would you look on me and would you purge me and would you cleanse me and by all me? God, would you just create in me a clean heart? Oh, God, and would you renew in me a right spirit? I want something to happen that will change my life. Ah, to create. You, 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 here's the thing about God. He can say it, and it's done. He spoke. Let there be light, and there was light. He spoke the world into existence. Every animal. He spoke into existence. Every fish of the sea. He spoke into existence. Light and darkness. He spoke into existence. He spoke it. He can do it by the power of a spoken word. If he can do that, he can speak and it can be done in you. It can be done in me. When Paul wrote to the saints, that's being created in Jesus Christ. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, he employed the same term of the creation in the beginning. What can we offer God to make a clean heart out of? You don't have nothing but a heart full of sin and a body and a life that's full of carnality. But isn't it great that when we 
we come into the mercies of God, all we have to do is present ourselves humble and repentant and say, God, I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. I'm tired of the way I'm living. I want something new in my life. And He creates a brand new man out of you. If the first Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 said this, Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You know what bothers me? I'm just being honest now. It's all, it's got popular now in a lot of areas to be a quote unquote quote Christian. Movie stars and politicians and renowned people. You read where they, they've become Christians. Well, let me tell you something. The last time I checked, I'm not saying anybody is or isn't, but the last time I checked, when you become a Christian, your life changes. Your lifestyle changes. You can't be a Christian and shack up. Y'all don't want me to really preach here right now. I'm trying to be real nice. But you know what? You can hang Christianity on yourself if you want to. But here's the bottom line. Is your heart right? Has God created in you a clean heart? This is what they, and that, that is for not just people that have never been to God. That's for we who sit here tonight. How long has it been since you've been to God and said, Lord, I haven't been right about that situation. I hadn't said things right. I haven't acted right. Would you create in me a clean heart? I'm not going to hell over you. I'm not going to hell over my worst enemy. Hallelujah. I'm going to look them in the eye and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I love you. You know what? I got over it. Look at your neighbor and say, get over it. There's some people that Jace can't get over it. You got something in your crawl you can't get over. It's to you whom I'm preaching tonight. You got to get over it. You need a clean heart. Well, they they done me wrong, so they did Jesus wrong. What we're about to celebrate here in the next few days is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know what he did when he hung on a cross and they wagged their heads at him? The Bible said they walked by wagging their heads and mocking him. He could have come down off the cross. The nails didn't have him hung there in case you hadn't read about it. He gave himself to that cross. And when those that nailed him were standing there wagging their heads and looking at him and mocking him and putting vinegar and and water in his mouth, he said, what did he say? I just want to know if you know what he said. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Get it out of your crawl. Well, they stole a piece of land, so they owe me money. So a lot of folks owe me money. I ain't going to hell. I had a man contact me just this week. I, didn't, I thought he forgot. He said, I hadn't forgot. I said, thank you. I didn't say okay. I said, thank you. I'm not mad about it. But the facts are, to create means to, to get something out of nothing. To let God speak. The only condition necessary for God's creation is that. Listen to me right now. Psalms 51, 17. The Bible said, God loveth such as a broken heart. A broken and a contrite heart. That's what he wants is a broken heart. David was at his bottom when he, when he penned Psalms 51. Oh, God. I'm so sorry for the man I've been. I'm so sorry for the sin I've committed. I noticed something when I read that today. He said, against you and you only have I sinned. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah the Hittite. He sinned against Nathan the prophet. But he said in Psalms 51, because you see, when you sin, it's not against your brother or your sister. It's against God. He said, you and you only have I sinned, O God. He said, I need you to purge me and cleanse me and create in me a clean heart. 
And then he said, renew in me a right spirit. Everybody say a right spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wind down quickly. Cleanness of heart and righteousness of spirit are twin necessities. It is unhappily possible to seek after a clean heart and yet possess and maintain a wrong spirit in daily life. If David's heart was to be kept pure, then he had to have a steadfast spirit to resist temptation. The clean heart, listen very closely, the clean heart put David right with God. This heart was created by God, but the psalmist had to cultivate it by perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord, and that's what the Bible tells us to do. And God gives the seed. Say this with me. God gives the seed, but the gardener cultivates it. He'll give you a clean heart, but you've got to work on it. And you've got to clean up your spirit, a right spirit. What's a right spirit? Well, wow. Probably be easier to define what's, to define what's not a right spirit. Being right with God involves being right with others. I don't think you caught that. Let me say it again. Being right with God involves being right with your fellow man. You cannot love God until you love your neighbor. How do I know that? Because the Bible said that. It said, how can a man love God whom he's not seen? Nobody here has ever seen God. Well, you don't know, preacher. I know, I know, because John 1.18 said nobody's ever seen God. God's a spirit. You hadn't seen God, and yet you're here worshiping. How many of you believe there is a God? You would be at church tonight if you didn't believe that. You've never seen God, but yet you worship God. And he said, how can you love God whom you've not seen if you can't love your neighbor whom you have seen? It didn't put any qualifications on it. Well, I'm so glad I got good neighbors. David and Judy Leach, my next door neighbor, it's pretty easy to love when they're bringing you gumbo and apple pie. And... But if you got some bad neighbors, that could get pretty sticky. Amen. And 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 you know, we 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 often forget it, but being right with God is totally contingent upon being right with everybody else. You can't be a devil in your neighborhood and be a Christian. Wow. The clean heart is the root of the principle. It's the fountain of our life Godward. Listen, the right spirit is the fruit, the spring, the practice, the conduct of holiness manward. Right heart, this way. Right spirit, this way. I can't hate you and say, oh, I love you, Jesus. I got to love you before I can love him. I know some of you don't believe that. The two words create and renew offer a, a, a study in contrast. God creates... When there's nothing, he brings all that's necessary to create. And grace feeds not on what it finds, but on what it provides. Now, renew means something that was there, but you've got to revive it and you've got to renew it. Amen? Renew is something that maybe has gone bad that you own or possess. But when you renew it, you can take an old car that used to run and used to be beautiful and used to, but over time, the paint wears off and the tires get bad and the motor goes bad. But if you renew that, you can restore that and it can become like new again. Are you listening to me? 
Your spirit used to be right, David. But now you've got to renew that spirit. And you can only do it when God gets through cleaning up your heart. I've just come to preach simple stuff to you tonight. That's why he said, restore unto me. Here's another one. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You see, sin had robbed David of his joy. And the reason a lot of people never get joy is because they never get a clean heart and they never get a right spirit. And so they never have joy. But when you get a clean heart and you get a right spirit, it doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what he says or she says or they do. It's what God says and what God's all about. Are you with me on a Wednesday night? Creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit, and he will restore unto you the joy of your salvation. The prophet Ezekiel also reminds us that God's willingness to undertake for us the double blessing that David prayed about. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. Ezekiel 36, 26. Mark it down in your Bible. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. So, tonight on Easter week, I've just come to tell you that we need a clean heart. Put it simply, the only thing that can put, it, put us to where we need to be is a good baptism of the presence and the Spirit of God in our life. When Christians have to be begged and pleaded with to serve God or to give of their substance to His cause. There's something wrong with their spirit. There's something wrong with their heart. It lacks the glorious liberty of the children of God. When you had to be begged to serve Him, begged to pray, begged to give, begged to love. Because there's some things that come natural with a baptism of the presence of God in your life. Because when He says... I'm going to clean that heart up, and I'm going to fix that heart. I want to tell you all the issues of life change. I've watched people. I know a man right now. I've pictured him in my mind. I've heard him testify through the years. He said, when I got the Holy Ghost before I came to God, he said, I hated just about everybody. But when I got through repenting that night and got up and God had baptized me with the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues, he said, I wanted to love everybody's neck. People that I used to hate look good to me. He said, I'm telling you, when I got up there, that's what I'm talking about tonight. And David didn't have the opportunity to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but he knew about the presence of the Spirit of God. And he said, Lord, I need to restore it. I need to have it. I've got to get it back. I've got to get where I need to be. I've been on a throne and I've been a king, but I've done wrong and I repent. Now fix my heart and restore my joy and let me serve you one more time. Is there anybody that feels that way on a Wednesday night? Hallelujah. 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 Let me end with one scripture in verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. I would like to say this to you in closing today. It's okay for men to cry. It's okay for you to shed tears of repentance. It's okay for you to to kneel in a private place and let tears drip when you talk to God. As a matter of fact, it's probably a needful thing. Because He loves people that are broken. You go study the Scriptures. When He finds broken things, He puts them back together. He is the mender of the heart. He's the mender of the mind. He's the mender of the family. He's the mender of broken spirits. God knows how to fix broken things. And this is why David said, A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. His spirit had been broken. His heart had been broken. He come very near to losing everything. But isn't it ironic that when he done all of this, God said, Now, David is the man after my own heart because he got a new heart and a right spirit. Shall we stand? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know about you today, but I, I just wish the Lord would would put the urgency upon me and upon you to seek God for the newness, the things that only God can do. You know, it's very easy, and I'm closing now. It's very easy to get hard-hearted. Are you aware of that? Hard-hearted. It's very easy to do. It's very easy to get to where you don't feel like you used to feel. You just, you know, you you get in the habit of coming to church and a habit of of uh, praying and a habit of lifting your hands and a habit of singing to where you forget what it's really all about. I don't want to get there. And the only way for us to keep from getting there is for God to constantly work on our heart to keep us with a clean heart and keep us with a good spirit. I want it to be the freshness of God when I come into the presence of God. Don't you? Hard-heartedness. Hard-heartedness is a very terrible thing to have. And it can happen to any one of us. I don't ever want to get to where the sermon don't move me, where the song don't touch me, where the prayer don't shake me. I want there to be conviction in my life. I want there to be a stirring in my soul. I want something to happen every time I come into the presence of God. And the only way to do it is for me to stay humble before God, to have a broken and a contrite spirit. I pray that will happen in every one of us. I know it's Wednesday night. I'm not giving an altar call. I'm, not, I'm just telling you, you need to get on your knees when you leave this building preferably before you go to bed tonight, and say, God, what that preacher preached is what I need. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. Put your hands up all over this building. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word here tonight. Thank you for what you've spoken to us right now. I pray, Lord, that it would begin in this preacher It would begin in me, and it would move through this congregation. Every man, every woman that sits under the sound of my voice, Lord, would you do a heart check on us and reveal to us the things that we need to see. Stir our minds and stir our hearts and make us sensitive. Oh, Lord, let us have humble spirits and a broken and a contrite heart that you will not despise us, but that you will love us and forgive us and wrap your arms around us and create in us the things you want to create. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody here said amen.